I often say that addiction is the result of not knowing how to find safety inside of yourself. So you find it in something else and understandably you get hooked on it because you're desperate for safety. That's all you're guilty of. Any of you looking to learn more about supporting addiction recovery through a trauma-informed and somatic lens and a nutritional lens, please join me for my addiction circle. This is a bi-monthly, entirely free, virtual circle that I invite anyone here to come and join if they want more information. Addiction tends to be so steeped in shame, and I find that doing this work in a community of people helps to destigmatize that shame so you can see how not alone you are in the experience. So whether you are personally withdrawing, preventing, experiencing relapse, or you work with people who are actively addicted or in recovery, all are welcome. The next Addiction Circle will be held on Tuesday, May 7th at 5 p.m. EDT. This meeting is not recorded for the sake of anonymity. No registration is necessary. Just join through the link below. On today's episode, I navigate the concept, everything happens for you, not to you. Welcome to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast, where we discuss every aspect of life through the lens of somatic psychology, nutrition, and self-inquiry. My name is Luis Mojica, and I'm a somatic educator who teaches people how to find safety inside themselves so they can better navigate this strange and sensational human experience. Your time to learn begins now. This concept, everything happens for me, not to me, it's something that can really easily get um, put into the spiritual bypassing column. This is because of how it's used, what the intention is, and, and really how embodied it is. Any kind of affirmation, any kind of statement, if I don't experience it, is something I'm putting on myself or someone else. So if someone comes up to me and says, Oh my gosh, my my dog. My dog is dying and I'm I'm never going to feel safe again. This is the person in my life that really helps me feel centered and grounded and always loves me and they're always there. They've been in my life, you know, 14 years, I don't know what to do. And I say to that person, well, you know, everything happens for you, not to you. Probably not the best time to say that because Currently, their body's in a state of grieving and fear and bracing against what's about to happen. So how do we relate to people and ourselves through these kind of statements and understandings, right? Do we use them as a way to, in the moment, try to redirect somebody? Or do we test them out through our own self-inquiry and curiosity? And from there, it kind of emanates and people learn through us and ask us questions about it. Or when they come to us with something like, what do you think I should do? How do you feel about this? There's some consent on their end. I, I st open with this example because these statements, when they're overcoupled with something negative, you know, when someone thinks everything happens for me, not to me, and there's like a negative response to that or a judgment or, oh, that's privilege or whatever you want to call it. It's often because it's being used the way I just described. 
it's not being used in a relational way. It's it's in this very subtly dominant way of you shouldn't feel like that because everything happens for you. Now, let's go to the somatics of everything happens for us. So I'll speak about my own my own way of sitting with this. When we go th- when I go through life and things go my way, I don't think twice, right? Everything's great. When something doesn't go the way I thought it was going to go, that's when there's an issue. That's when there's a rupture. That's when something's unfair or shocking or disappointing or um, just unpleasant, right? We tend to feel content when things go the way we like them to be. I find this just endlessly fascinating because it's so simple, common knowledge, right? And when I really distill it and I think about it in myself, it's, it's profound. The only thing keeping me from being okay right now is my mind is telling me it shouldn't be like this. And in that mental subconscious statement or belief, or maybe it's not subconscious, it could be fully conscious, you could be saying it and believing it, the body is bracing. The body's bracing against what is. Now, when I go into the practice, everything happens for me. It's not an immediacy of surrender, not for me at least. It's an inquiry. It's an invitation to be curious and to flex my ego. So if I'm in a situation that I don't want to be in, and the statement, okay, everything happens for me, turns into a question mark for me, everything happens for me, it invites me to say, what's okay about this right now? It invites me to ask, how is this beneficial for me right now? It invites me to ask, what am I being spared of right now? I remember one of one of the most challenging experiences for me as an adult I had I, th- I would say more challenging experiences as a child but as an adult one of the most difficult ways for me to learn how to express myself um, was as a musician I didn't know how to be seen that way I didn't feel safe on stage I didn't feel safe being seen my music is very strange it's not common so it's not an easy thing for people to just digest and dance to and enjoy so it was always very difficult for me to to even um, book shows and have people buy albums and enjoy the work I was putting out. And I remember it came to a head for me um, in 2019. Actually, it was 2018 is when it came to a head. I was uh, working on this album called How a Stranger is Made. And while I was working on it, there were people in my community who were pretty successful musicians that I was really hoping uh, would help me get behind it or would give, you know, give me some kind of support or advice or, you know, whatever, oh, let me open for them, you know, whatever it was. And that just didn't happen. I wasn't met with um, reception. And I remember, thankfully, having a practice of self-inquiry through the work of Byron Katie. And one of the questions I always ask myself now is how is this perfect for me right now? It's just a question I ask. Whether I'm sick, whether someone is dying, whether someone tells me they hate me, if I go into debt and lose a bunch of money, I did this when I lost my house to mold. Like, how is this perfect for me right now? And what I love about the question is it redirects me to get curious and open. It doesn't force an idea. I'm not saying 
this is for you, enjoy. That would be bypassing. I'm asking myself, how is this perfect for me? How is this working for me? And when it came to the music, I noticed when I went into that, how is this working for me? And it took me back to when I was on tour with a band, one of my favorite bands in the world, Rasputina, a 90s cello rock ensemble. And I was on tour with them for a few years. I was playing as their um, pianist and beatboxer. And I remember through the tour thinking, ooh, I don't really like this lifestyle. I don't like having to drive from place to place for 10 hours at a time and set up my instrument at four o'clock and do a sound check at five o'clock and then wait till midnight to play a show. Like, it was so exhausting. Um, and even if we didn't wait till midnight, if it was an early show, nine o'clock, you know, 10 o'clock, you wouldn't be done till midnight. You wouldn't leave till one or two in the morning. Didn't work for my body. So I noticed that, that that experience came through and it met the question, how is this perfect for me that my music isn't getting commercially successful, that it's not getting popular? How is this perfect for me? And I sat in that and that's what it took me to. It took me to, well, the lifestyle of a traveling musician I love to travel. I don't like to play late shows. If you're going to make money as a musician, you usually have to play late shows. So I, I noticed, oh, okay, that's one way. This is great that I'm not getting successful. What's another way? And I waited for it to bubble up. And as it bubbled up, it said, well, you don't really want fans. You don't. You want equals. You want people who are, who are in their body, who are aware of their power, who are aware of their, their own gorgeous uniqueness, who aren't looking at you as the source of it. They aren't fanning you. They're not admiring you from below while you're up on the stage. And as these answers were coming in, this relief was pouring over me. And my mind took me to one of my favorite musicians, Kate Bush, and how she left the music industry after her album, The Red Shoes. I think it was 92, maybe 93. She left the music industry to take care of her son, very similar to what Patti Smith did. They left to become parents, to go into this humble ego death, right? Major stars that left everything for solitude, for normalcy, for even a sense of humility, we could call it, for devotion, right, of the heart instead of the ego. And as I thought about Kate Bush and thought about her reemergence since the album um, Ariel in 2005, which was amazing. I remember when that came out. It's kind of still coming out to me. It's just such a decadent record. Uh, she continues to release music whenever she wants to, and then she lives. She lives her life. She doesn't go into the circuit. She doesn't do interviews. She doesn't tour. She did one show in the last 20 years. Um, so, you know, my mind took me to her as, okay, someone I can see who's modeling this, someone who's doing what they love, and it's not contingent on anyone liking it. And it's not contingent on the certain lifestyle she thought she had to have. And so my ego started to melt around this music piece. And I noticed I love, I love being a therapist. I love teaching people about trauma. 
I'm going to put all the energy I've been putting into touring and the the tens of thousands of dollars I've literally had to take credit cards and go into debt to produce albums and um, re- record them and print them and ship them and all this work you go through when you're an independent artist, you don't have a label behind you doing that. All that burnout, all that ego that was feeling that melted and that desire to connect that desire to create, that desire to express, it transmuted and transformed and shape-shifted into what I'm doing right here with you. I do the same thing now that I loved doing on stage. I sit in front of a big group of people. I bear my truth. I feel into my body. And the vibrations in me and in my stories and in my words, they have a vibrational effect on the people in the audience. And they reverberate that back to me and it becomes this really gooey relationship. It's the feeling I was chasing as a musician. And I realized, oh, there is a way for me to be with that feeling. It's just not music. It's not this idea of a commercial success that I had. Hey, my friends, I want to take a quick break from the episode to remind you my next six-week course begins on May 8th. This six-week course is the best way to work with me. I will teach you what I have learned in the past 17 years about how nutrition, somatics, and self-inquiry can be applied and integrated together to release stress and trauma. We do this through listening to the body, through learning the body's language, which is sensation. And the best part, when the course is over, you get everything, every lecture, Every audio exercise, every PDF is yours to download for life. Registration for my course opens on April 13th. If you want to register and get more information, visit holisticlifenavigation.com and click on the course. So my constant rejection and going into debt and my music not becoming popular or commercially successful, that was for me when I was able to be open to that and it redirected me to doing what I'm doing now. I have an example from formerly Eve Ensler, the writer of the Vagina Monologues, who now goes by V. About a decade ago, she was diagnosed with stage three to four uterine cancer. And in um, Gabor and Daniel Mate's gorgeous book, The Myth of Normal, they speak about her in one of the chapters and they use a quote from her about her relationship to illness now. And it's a quote that's used to um, help us see illness as a being, as something coming in for us, not against us. And if we're able to see it that way, how it might change our treatment plans, our societies, and our individual relationships with our bodies. She writes, A disease is not like a thing. It is energy flow. It is a current. It is evolution or devolution. That occurs when you're not awake and connected and trauma is essentially ruling your life. I'm going to say that again. It is energy flow. It is a current. It is evolution or devolution that occurs when you're not awake and connected and trauma is ruling your life. I think it's such a mistake to identify it as a thing because that makes it hard matter. 
when it's in fact a much more psychological, spiritual, emotional condition. What if when you got sick, you weren't a stage of a disease, but in a process? And cancer, just like having your heart broken or getting a new job or going to school, were a teacher. What if rather than being cast out and defined by some terminal category, you were identified as someone in the middle of a transformation that could deepen your soul and open your heart? I love this because there's uh, an inherent pain and even um, we can call it um, like disfigurement that occurs in transformation for something to shape shift and transform physical matter shifting and transforming that can be very painful i I think of a yin yoga class some of the most gentle things visually where you're laying there being held by bolsters and in certain positions and certain stretches and the deep discomfort happening in the body as your body transforms to make space to go into a stretch to make space for more of your breath to make space for your body to unlearn curling inwards as it curls outwards. Pain, ruptures, things not going our way, they are moments to invite transformation. For me, transformation just means a new way of being with something or a new way of being, a new shape. So if I think of a situation that doesn't go my way, like I get sick, like I like I said earlier, like I lost my house to mold uh, five years ago. Things that are really big. If I see that as this is inviting transformation and I leave that, that human supremacy mind that nothing should go wrong in my life because, you know, we're superior and we created society and we have homes and these walls stay up and we have electricity, all these comforts we're so used to. These moments of things not going our way they're invitations to say, whoa, okay, first of all, you're not in charge, number one, but you do have the ability to respond to everything that comes your way. Things happen for me, not to me, means I get to choose how I respond to what's happening in my life. I don't get to choose what happens to me. I get to choose how I respond to what happens to me. So if we take the statement, not as something we're putting on ourselves or others to get over something very quick, which would be bypassing, but we take it as a question, as an invitation, as a curiosity. How does this work for me? I'm going to lead us in a somatic practice right now around this statement so you can experience what I'm speaking about. Find a place where you can be seated and still. You can also lay down in a bed. And once you're seated or lying down, obviously not driving a car or doing anything that needs your attention right now, the first thing you want to do is let your mind show you something that's not going your way. It can be big, it can be small. Something that isn't going your way. It could be current, it could be a past thing that you have a hang-up still on. That you, there's a block and you like, can't get over this thing that didn't go your way. And notice the parts of you that constrict against it. Notice the places where there's pain or discomfort or pressure 
or just unpleasant sensations in your body in response to this thing that didn't go your way. Just notice. That's the body bracing against it. It hasn't opened into it yet. From that bracing, notice how you live your life. How do you eat? What thoughts do you believe? What shows do you watch? How do you treat other people? What behaviors and lifestyles and identities and personalities blossom from this braced place in you against something that you don't want to happen, something that shouldn't have happened, something you're not okay with? Right? Now, and you can pause this if I'm going too quick for you. The next step is where is there a part of me that doesn't brace? So when I think about this thing that didn't go my way, where is there a part of me that's okay with it? Not intellectually, but somatically. Where is there a place in my body that feels settled? That feels calm? That feels relief? That feels openness? Where is there a part I can breathe into easily? Really take a moment to identify this. This is a practice that blows people's minds because the mind tends to be very linear. It goes in one direction. It can go in many, but it tends to go in one direction. The body, however, is this incredible masterpiece that shows us how contradictory we really are in nature. That I could be grieving or against a certain thing and another part of me could be okay with it. That's strange, right? This is our multidimensionality. And it means that there's a place in us physically that has the capacity for this experience. There's a place that already lives in the this happens for me. And there's a place that already lives in this happens to me. The place of this happens to me is the constricted place. The place of this happens for me is the one that's open and feels safe. Its safety is not contingent on this thing that happened. Now, from this place, from this place that feels open, that feels centered, that feels safe, that's kind of relieved or okay with this, put your hand there and ask the question out loud or internally, how is this good for me? We're not telling you it's good for you. I'm not telling you to accept it. I don't believe in those things. I want you to discover it. I want you to get curious. It might take you months, it might take you weeks, it might take you five minutes. It's going to be depending on how big this thing is and sensationally how big this thing is, right? How much capacity you have for the sensations that this experience creates in your body. But just ask the question and connect to that place in you that has that capacity. So there's a settling, so there's a resourcing to go into this inquiry, right? Again, how is this good for me. And it's not up to you to find the answer. As Byron Katie would say, we ask the question, and we witness and wait for what meets it. Something in us will meet the question. It will, it will show you very clearly how this is good for you. It will show you the reality, well, you got this out of it. It will show you a sensation, oh, because you can take a breath now. It will give you the proof, not even an answer, but the proof based on experience and somatic sensational experiencing of this is why this thing is good for you. And not all of you has to believe it. 
It could just be this part in your body that feels okay. But we start there. And if you're able to do this, you're currently experiencing some transformation. Your ego, your body is shape-shifting. The ego, which is narrow and saying this shouldn't have happened, that's the only story it's willing to tell, starts telling a new story. Okay, it did happen and this is why it was good for me. Wow. How does that new story transform the body? It shifts your biology. It softens your tissues. It invites breath. It can lower your adrenaline. It can lower your inflammation. And then from that body state that transforms, your life transforms. Your eating habits transform. Your work habits transform. Your relationship habits. Everything starts to transform. Your life changes when the state in your body changes based on your relationship in your conscious mind to the things that happen around you. So sit with us, see where it takes you, and thank you for sharing this time with me. So that's the end of today's episode. Notice where you feel the episode inside of your body. Those sensations, those expressions, that's how your body speaks to you. Sit with it, be with it, and let whatever wants to come up, come up because all the wisdom you're looking for is right there in those sensations. If you want to go deeper into these practices or find more information about my work, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. I'll see you next time. Hello, everybody. It is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. 
Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there.